This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start So let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast. I've got a special guest, friend of mine, and a familiar voice, Mr. Tom Clum from Rocky Mountain Specialty Gear. Tom, how are you, man? I'm doing good, Dylan. Hope you're doing well, too. Thank you, man. Yes, sir. Are you staying busy in the shop? It is just hit the time of year where we start hopping. Yeah, for I'm sure every archery shop in the West anyway, because our hunting seasons are mostly September, July and August is our time to get slammed. So we yeah. just had that period, so we're hopping. Well, that's good. That's good for you. Good news. It is, yes. We, if it doesn't happen, we're in trouble. <laughs> now, Tom is a special guest because um, Tom is my personal um, kind of, Recurve Guru, my coach, I consider him. Uh, I'm the I'm the one that bugs him with constant questions and uh, and stupid questions, probably most of the time. But uh, so I'm glad he's always there to help me. But uh, you know, I do want to talk through some some traditional shooting questions, but then I also want to get into kind of how that ties in with compound shooting because here's what I've noticed, and I, I had somebody call me and they said, "Hey, have you noticed that since you started shooting a recurve, you're way better with your compound?" Mm-hmm. And I said, yes. And they were like, well, where's the correlation with that? And I said, well, this is just my opinion. You can tell me if I'm right or wrong. I said, could I have gotten better? Could I have accomplished the same thing with my compound without going to a recurve? Yes. But what happened when I switched to a recurve was it forced me into thinking through every aspect of my shot. So -hmm. now when I switch back to my compound, again, I'm thinking about every aspect of my shot. And so it's recreated my shot even with my compound. Now, could I have done that without switching to a recurve? Yes. But switching to a recurve forced me to do it. So um, is there any truth behind that? Yeah, and especially from this point of view, when you're shooting a recurve, you're under 100% of the weight of that bow when you're, you know, at holding position. When you're shooting a compound, you're under 20% of the weight of that bow. So you really have to learn to develop better body positions, better skeletal alignment with a recurve than with a compound. And it's and it's a feel thing. It gets to be a feel thing that no doubt translates when you when you come to holding in your compound. 
Now you build a better holding position and you build better skeletal alignment that you didn't quite need before. But what you notice is your pin float settles because you're simply in, in better body positions. You're putting more of the weight of the bow on your skeletal structure as opposed to your muscular system. And there's a better, calmer state of mind when you improve that position, even with a compound, even under tw just 20% of the weight of the bow. So, you know, thinking about this before, because everybody that always wanted a recurve lesson, you know, but planned on primarily hunting with their compound bow, have, they've asked me, like, is this going to screw up my compound shooting? And, and every time it's an unequivocal no. It's, this will absolutely help your compound shooting. And that has been the, the case that's reported back to me every single time. Not once is it been otherwise. I'll say this, though, and this might just be because of my small uh, brain mentality. Um, <laughs> but I can't – I just don't have the mental capacity or maybe it's the time to put in to being effective with my, my recurve and my compound. Um, so for me, when switching to the recurve, it took all of me. Like it took – Yes. If I'm yes. going out to shoot, I, I can't grab my compound. I have to grab the recurve just uh -huh. because it forces me to have that daily practice. It forces me to have a strict regimen. And then I, I just don't have the, I don't know if it's mental capacity or time capacity to switch back between the two. So somebody asked me, they said, are you moving to traditional only? And I said, no, absolutely not. But for the, for the next, you know, however long for the, for the far foreseeable future, I have to, mm -hmm. because I have to force myself into, into using that. And I have to, you know, it takes all of me at this time to, to be effective with it. No, I, I completely agree. But you've also noticed you pick up your compound and you're pretty much money. I bet. Yeah, that's why I don't like shooting so, it. So, yeah, yeah, because it, like we talked about before, you know, the, uh, you know, you hit it and, okay, you expect it to, you miss, you're aggravated with the compound, with the with the recurve, you miss. Okay, I got to work a little bit more and you hit it and it feels great. That comp that comparison, you're, you're into that phase completely now. You, you, yeah. There's a giant satisfaction level when you can put one in there with the recurve. Absolutely, there is more, more work to get to that place, and that's not being arrogant or calling anything out because everything's great in archery. I love, you know, immersing in the entire sport of archery, but it's true. You know, it's just simply true. There, there's a little bit more of accomplishment to put them in there with a recurve. It takes a little more knowledge. Yeah. When you get instruction with a recurve, it's particularly true that you're going to shoot your compound better. If you treat a recurve as something you won't back, back to your face and touch and go, maybe not. But if you're actually receiving good coaching in a recurve, it absolutely will help your compound shooting. And, you know, I uh, so I've got I've got six um, Delta McKenzie targets in the backyard and nice. uh, they're spread out from from. 10 to, to 35 yards mm -hmm. and and i can go out there and shoot for hours and have fun with my my recurve <laughs> yes but i go out there and shoot six arrows and i hit them all in the in the money spot with the re with the compound i'm like well that was fun you know now it's time to yeah. just go inside i guess because yeah. it's just, i'm just done shooting you know I, I made six shots on six animals and they're all dead and so it's like well that was fun um <laughs> but i'll tell you and i don't know if i got to share this with you yet and I told him I would preference this every time that I ever told this story. I now have a drive to be good with a, a recurve. Um, mm -hmm. I was on the phone with John Dudley, and we were talking about my switch to a recurve. And, and he said, and I quote, 
I like accuracy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, now, what John didn't mean is that you can't be accurate with a recurve. What John did mm-hmm. mean is that he can't be accurate with a recurve. Okay. So, John is by no means uh, putting down recurve shooters. Let me make that very clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he posts pictures of, of guys shooting recurves and stuff. And so... Don't start sending me a bunch of hate emails, people, um, that John Dudley is a traditional hater. He's not. But what he meant by that was that he can't be effective as he wants to be with a a recurve. So that is now my driving force to shooting a recurve because I'm like, well, John Dudley says you can't be accurate with it. So I'm going to stay and show John Dudley. Um, (laughs) Again, I know what he meant. But in my mind, it's like that's my my drive is – Time to, to prove me. Mr. Dudley wrong. Well, and to me, I'm like looking at a guy with that amount of intelligence and that skill level and that dedication to archery. My gosh, would he make an awesome recurve shooter eventually? And probably not it that would. much time. You know, if he, and if he, would. but you have to have an interest in it. You have to have a, a drive for it. And he just doesn't. And that's fine. We all like what we like, you know. But my goodness, could he get good? Right? A yeah. guy like that. Absolutely, <laughs> he could. Yeah. Like what he does with a compound of the recurve. Oh my goodness! Like I could but be. Really he make the rest of us mad. Yes, exactly. And then <laughs> we'll just let him. We'll just let him stick to the to, to the compound, so it doesn't make just, us mad. Doesn't make us make us feel bad about ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Now, before we move on, yeah, uh, I do. Guy gave a quick thank you to my friends over at Selway Archery. Those guys are absolutely phenomenal. Do you use Selway? Oh, buddy. Uh, and I love the Kohlhoffers. Salt of the earth, fine people. Just they great are, bunch of folks. It's the kind of people you like to support with your business, too. Absolutely. They are fantastic. And they just released. So when this, well, I can't say they just released. It hasn't released yet. But they have just, I've gotten a sneak peek of it. But they they just built a Pope and Young quiver, and it's got oh, no. Pope and Young branding all over it. It looks fantastic. Nice. It is absolutely incredible. I uh, I got the picture of it, and it's with the po- new Pope and Young branding, which will be released a week from today, a week from the day this episode airs at our convention in Reno. So stay tuned for that because Pope and Young is unveiling a a whole new face of Pope and Young. So stay tuned nice. for that. But but Selway, my friends at Selway have built a Pope and Young quiver and it's branded with our new logos and everything. And it looks fantastic. So guys, you have to check out my friends at Selway. And just like Tom said, they're a great group of people to support um, no matter what, even if they didn't make the best quivers that you could buy. Um, so, so guys go check out Selway because they have a quiver for everyone. So go check them out because those guys are just phenomenal. So um, Tom, quick question. Yeah, buddy. I recently, and uh, and this is my most recent. Um, I need Tom Clum's help moment. <laughs> okay. I called you and I told you I was uh, experience incredible middle finger pain when shooting, uh-huh. and it wouldn't go away. Um, I was getting like an incredible callus behind the first knuckle, and my whole front, the whole front of my fingertip was just numb all the time, and it wasn't going away anymore. You know, used to it would be like. I'd stop shooting for 10 minutes and it was gone, but it had become a constant issue. So I called you and I said, I need help. You said switch to a finger tab. So that's what I did. Um, switch to a finger tab. Now 
I want to ask you before telling you kind of what's happened to me, what about switching to a finger tab will change your, what about your shot will change when switching to a finger tab? Mm, it shouldn't be, shouldn't be anything about your shot should change. But a finger tab is definitely, if you're hanging that middle finger, which I suspect you were doing, there were some other things I told you to do too, like stiffen your hook, which is counterintuitive as all get out, right? But it's going to distribute the, the tension between the fig, fingers a little better. And and shooting gloves can get a little sticky because they get real grooves worn into them. So it was kind of, I think I told you, have you ever seen a high-end target shooter, let alone target shooters at all, ever use a glove? No. And you said, no? Well, there's, there's a little bit of a reason there. So, yeah, you're going to get a better distribution of the string tension where you want it. Um, you're not likely to hang up a finger. You can put more pressure on a finger than you should be, like hanging a bottom finger, and you're, you're going to wear out your bottom finger. Common. I mentioned it because it's common. But um, it's going to be slicker, smoother, and better. Have you continued to have problems with your tab? I can't wait to hear. Um, you know, I haven't got to shoot enough. Um, you know, I had to travel for, for um, some mountain archery fest events, and, and it's been raining for like four weeks here in Kansas um, nonstop. And so I haven't got to shoot as much as I want. But, no, I have not had the same problems. Um, now, again, with the glove, I had gotten to the point where I was shooting 100 arrows a day. And I just haven't got to put that time in with a tab yet. So um, I'm going to say no. But also I noticed that my point on changed dramatically. And I don't know why. So your point on changed. Did it change uh, further? Did it move back? Um, yes. All right. So you're getting – so your trajectory path flattened out a bit. And so you're getting more arrow speed, right? Yes. So an obvious additional advantage to that tab, right? Slicker surface, better distribution of pressure between your fingers. Obviously, you want any trajectory you can get. So positive change overall, for sure, let alone finger soreness. Correct. And finger soreness, because you haven't had an arrow count yet, is kind of to be determined. But an absolute benefit so far. Yeah. Um and I didn't, I'll tell you what happened. Uh, my, my backfield gets a little swampy when it rains. And by swampy, I mean ankle deep water. And, uh, <laughs> and I go and shoot at, and, uh, I, I shoot at a 20 yard deer and I sail it over. This is my first shot with a, with a tab. And I, so I sail it over its back and I'm like, man, this thing sucks. Like I hate this thing already. <laughs> and so I go out there and I'm, I'm like wading through water trying to find my arrow. And, and uh, yeah. I was like, well, you know, the shot felt really good. And left to right, I was really good. Yeah. And so nice. I just held my point on lower and started pinning it right in there at 20. And I'm like, well, that works, I guess. And so <laughs> I, I had shot. And again, I haven't got to put in a lot of rep repetition with the, the tab yet. Uh, but yeah. yesterday I... I pulled out the glove again and put it back on and I did shoot a lot better with the glove. Okay. But I think that's just because it's what I know. And when you say better, you thought your group better? Yes. I was, I was stacking arrows rather than them being, you know, rather than a pie plate, I was on a, a cut. 
Interesting. Huh. Um, I've got nothing for you. Um, but I will tell you, people develop preferences and a feel. And so that's why there's tabs and gloves. And that's where there's different kinds of tabs. You know, so, but, but I'm still at the point now where I don't know if, if I shoot better with the glove because it's what I know or because I'm just going to shoot better with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I suspect it's something a little different. I suspect that when you're running your shots and you're not distracted and you're, you know, like running a shot for mentally hitting all of our marks, um, we're going to shoot our best, right? And if you're really thinking about that tab sum, you're thinking about the feel, you're really not running your shot. But you put the glove on and you come back into a normal state of mind. I suspect it's more something like that. I can't imagine why a tab would cause you to shoot broader groups. I could think of why it would help you shoot better groups, but not worse groups. So I suspect mentally maybe a little something was going on, but ain't that the fun of it? This stuff is sometimes a little mysterious. You know, I think I've told you this before, and I know I've said it on the podcast before, but I'm getting kind of mad with a recurve, and, and not <laughs> mad at not mad because it's harder. But you know, my initial want to switch to a recurve was the simplicity in it. Yeah, you, know, you pick up a bow and shoot. Uh, at least that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. And then you talk to dudes like Aaron Schneider, and and they dive into their arrow builds, and you're like okay, I thought you just got to shoot, you know? Um, <laughs> yes. And so I've become, I've become like, I don't know, um, just overwhelmed with the amount of, of tune that goes into a recurve and, and thought that goes into recurve and, and discipline that goes into recurve. And, and you're right, or I was right. The act of going out and shooting is simpler, but that doesn't mean that, the art of shooting a recurve is simpler, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's uh, more pure form and less, you know, a physical tool with a lot of literal mechanical parts. And there are a lot of added steps, so to speak, with a compound. Uh, I was talking to Dick Tone, former Olympic coach, you know, really famous guy in the archery world. And Dick hit an age where he had to shoot a compound, um, physically had to shoot the compound and it was really fun listening to a guy you know a legendary guy like that say gosh dang it i hate this compound there's so much to do man i gotta circle the damn peep on the freaking side housing i gotta pick the pin i gotta get this release on the drink man it's not with a recurve let's you know i'd slap it on there and i just look at something 40 yards and just drill it and you know this is coming from an olympic coach by the way who's just awesome shooter, no matter what kind of archery tool he picks up. And he felt there was a lot more complexity to shooting a compound because of all the manifestations you have to do with the tool itself. Um, if you think of how you mentally run a shot, pretty damn similar yeah. as far as the mental mechanics of the shot. But now you have this tool where there's a release to hook on and there's a peep to center with the sight housing and a bubble to check and a pin to pick and and stuff like that so yeah there's some added complexity into the mental sequence of the compound for sure um so in a way it's more simple but in a way you have to hit the mechanics better because you're under 100 percent of the way of the bow right um right so there's a given there's a give and take there but in the end a bow is a bow 
and they should be treated pretty darn similar. Yes, we have a different anger point. Yes, we got to get a string through fingers. Yes, we have a different aiming method. It might be the arrow sticking out there, which is our single pin sight instead of this peep and a sight housing and a bubble, et cetera, et cetera. But as far as the physical mechanics of literally shooting the bow, they should be dang near identical. Yeah. And that's why, again, going back to my statement on, you know, recreating my shot with a recurve made me a better shot um, with my compound. That's why. Because the shot execution uh, really should be pretty close to the same. And uh, and that's yeah, why, yeah. you know, then when I went back, uh, again, it was just that, okay, I've completely recreated my shot. Um, and so now, now I actually have a shot sequence with my compound rather than just draw back yeah. and shoot like I always have. And after being under 100% of the weight of the bow, you understand the necessity for great, alignment great body positions great positions that holding good good angles so to speak and then you still when you get under 20 percent of the way of the boat you still feel that and you improve that and all of a sudden you get a better pin float yeah. right things more stable than it was before absolutely well, that, I is... think that addresses most of those changes of improvement when you go back to the compound and you know also i, I when i went back to my compound i realized uh, because I do shoot a wrist strap release, which, you know, then you've got guys saying, well, if you shoot a wrist strap release, there's no way you're actually shooting back tension. And, uh, and I was always one of the guys saying, no, I do, you know, I, I execute back tension. But then after mm -hmm. shooting a recurve, it was okay. When I went back to the compound, it was okay. I've not been shooting, uh, back tension like I should be this entire time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got it. But you applied back tension at wrist strap release and all of a sudden everything was better yet. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's a hundred percent um that's a hundred percent what it was, you know. And so uh I've 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 told guys and, and when they've asked, I've I've told them that, you know, hundred percent honesty, you don't have to switch to a compound to achieve or to a recurve to achieve that better shot um with your compound. It's just the act of of forcing yourself to recreate that shot. Right. But and then here again, you went to a recurve coach that taught you back tension. If I'm teaching a compound shooter, I'm teaching back tension right off the get-go. Right. So not a difference. There's just not a lot of coaches around, unfortunately. There needs to be a whole bunch of Don John Dudleys out there or you know, myself and Rod Jenkins and some other guys that are teaching good recurves. There needs to be a whole bunch more of us. And we're creating that in you, buddy, you know? Yeah. We're happy, helping pass this information that we've been fortunate enough to learn and get to get to share with people. And then you're going to be doing a whole lot of that. So we're going to grow the sport that way, man. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I, I think that's part of the big obstacles in in and people wanting to get into shooting a recurve. And that's the fact that there is no, um, I don't want to say no. I mean, you got guys like yourself and Aaron Schneider and, and, you know, Clay Hayes and, and guys who put out really good, um, really good information, but it's just not as readily accessible as true as finding information Absolutely. to shoot, to shoot a, a, a compound. Correct. Correct. And really, in my generation, I asked, I did a little shooting seminar at our high country shoot last weekend, and 
And there's a bunch of little older guys like me. And I, you know, I asked the question, I, I said, I'll bet you all the guys my age, when we started, there literally wasn't real specific instruction on shooting a recurve. And I said, I'll bet you that everybody here my age, 95% of your friends that started with you weren't shooting a recurve within five years. And everybody nodded their head because we couldn't get good at it. And there was a few stubborn ones, you know, like us that stuck with it or found our own way to be accurate and take some animals that stuck with it. But for the most part, the vast majority of people, the waves coming in and fish archery left it just as quick because they can never become proficient. Yeah. But with the addition of all this coaching that's going around now, and myself and some others getting out there, man, it's just not fun if you can't hit the target, you know, and it's great satisfaction when you can with the recurve. Because you've accomplished something. It's a skill set. It's a cool skill set to have, for sure. Yeah. No, and it's something that, you know, and, and again, I don't want to take anything away from compound shooters because I promise you I will go back to shooting a compound well, because, I, because I love I love stretching out to, to 100 yards. You know, that's, I mean, that's, no, that's fun. To shoot, a compound well, to shoot a compound well is also a heck of a skill set. Absolutely. It's just Absolutely. a different skill set. And it's, it's something, and it's something which my, part of my drive in switching to a recurve was that I can pretty much take anybody for an afternoon and then be ready to go shoot a deer with a, a compound at 20 yards. Yeah. Like Give it. me an afternoon. And, uh, and you know, that's, and you say, no, Dylan, that's crazy. Well, I mean, I just did it with my wife, you know, give me, give me one afternoon and she's drilling quarters at, at 20. Um, so I just wanted to find that skill set that not everybody else could have in a day. Um, now again, I, yeah. I know, don't start sending me hate emails, people. I know because I love stretching out a compound to 80, 100, 120. And that's when you get into, you have to shoot a hundred shots a day. You have to be disciplined with it. You have to be, but with a recurve, you've got to be disciplined at 15, 20, 25. And so, um, that, that was just my appeal is that it just takes so much discipline, so much work, so much time and effort on my behalf to be even efficient at, at 20 yards. So, and I put it like this, think of the rifle hunter that changes into bow hunting and gets a compound. Man, he just, he just cut his effective range down by huge multiples, right? And then he had to learn a new skill set. And then he had to learn the new hunting methods to get close. Because now you can't just sit on the ridge and, you know, look at something at distance and, and take your game. But look at the giant leap that guy took as an additional challenge to move from a rifle to a compound bow. Uh, so I put it like that. And, and then there's just one more little step to go to recurve. You know what I mean? Yeah. But you go from a rifle hunter to a compound to a bow hunter, that's a giant leap. And yeah. there's one more little leap to a recurve. That's kind of the way I put it. There's, there a, there's absolutely a is. We cut your effective range down in half or to a third again. And so hunting tactics need to change again a bit. And then you have another skill set to develop. Yeah. So it's a stair-step thing, you know. Um, as hunters, most people started with a rifle in this country, probably. And it got easy, and they said, okay, I want to try this other thing. And then they saw the great advantages as a bow hunter, and they started taking more game. At least I did when I started bow hunting. 
Yeah. And then the satisfaction level. And then, okay, here's this new challenge. Let's get this stick and string. It doesn't have any of these catching features like the compound. It doesn't determine my drawings for me. I got to do that based off of form, right? And doesn't have a peep in a in, in five sight pins. And, 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 and. So it's just all cool stuff, man. It depends on what you're like, where you're at at the time, and what you enjoy. Yeah. Um, simple as that. And I don't, I just love everything to do with this sport and I'm completely immersed in it. And I have a compound and I shoot it because I want to stay proficient, especially if I'm going to demonstrate a shot for a student. My credibility is on the line whether I can put one in there or not with compounds. So, and I enjoy shooting it. I just enjoy the shooting, the recurve a lot more. That's yeah. just my preference. And there's, and for me, it's a different level of satisfaction. I get a little more satisfaction out of it. Yeah. And I think that that if you were to give it a shot, most people would find that that next level of sat- satisfaction with it. I mean, I do, yeah. Particularly if they're getting instruction and, and get a little bit good at it. Yeah. <laughs> now, <clears throat> have I told you about my hog hunting experience yet? Not, not personally, no. Okay. I read your story on it. Kind of. So I'm excited to dive into this because I got a lot of <laughs> I got a lot of hate mail over this. I got a lot of dudes um, emailing me saying you need to be effective before you shoot an animal, blah, blah, blah. First off, shut up. Like, um, I understand all of that. Um, that was not the point of the post. The point of the post was not bragging that I missed. The point of the post was being 100% honest and being 100% transparent in the fact that this is a struggle, this is hard, and it takes work, and I got to work at it constantly, and now it's time to work even harder. Um, so if you email me or message me or whatever on social media, you miss the whole point of the post. Um, but I'll say this, we had hunted hard all day long and I got sick. I don't know if it was a heat stroke. I don't know if it was, um, I don't know if it was, uh, dehydration. I I don't know. Um, but I, I had began throwing up. And so at that point I was like, all right, I'm done. Like, let's go home. You know, we gave it our best shot. And my buddy said, look, we're going to, we've been out here all day long. We've put in like eight miles and, and we're going to get 20 yards from the truck and there's going to be a hog there. And I'm like, shut up, dude. <laughs> so sure enough, we start walking and we get about 40 yards from the truck and there's a hog. And I'm like, Amazing. gosh, dang it. Amazing. Now this was about a 40 pound hog. So the distance between the vitals and the butt are four inches, five inches. Yeah. Um, yep. I was still shaking, like I I was just threw up and and I was weak and didn't feel well. My body was shaking. I was you know just I was ready to go home, but this was the only shot I was going to get. And on hogs, I don't care if it's a ten pound hog or a two hundred pound hog, I'm shooting it. Heck yeah, because they're they're yummy. Yeah, yeah. So twenty two yards away, at a forty pound pig, and I hit it right in the butt. Yep. Now. I can make myself feel better. My buddy's trying to make me feel better. He's like, dude, it was only, you really only missed by, you know, three, four inches. And on a white tail, you still kill that animal. On a, even a 200 pound hog, you still kill that animal. Yep. Um, so that's one thing a lot of the dudes, the internet warriors didn't understand. I'm like, dude, I missed by like a, a matter of, of a few inches. Uh, you know, I didn't, anyways. Um, <clears throat> And I also didn't want to make excuses. I didn't even put in the post that I had gotten sick and that I had. The whole point of the post was, look, everybody can miss. Get back to work. Work harder. Um, that was the whole point of the post. Yeah. Um, 
And dudes just didn't get that. Now, I really honestly thought I had hog hunted there before. And, you know, I had killed two hogs with my compound in two hours. And, uh, and so I really honestly thought this trip was going to go a lot different. I thought this was going to go, I was going to go down and kill two hogs before lunch with my recurve and feel supremely confident and just know, okay, I can in fact kill animals with this thing. The hunting was hard. The hunting was difficult and uh, it just didn't go that way. That's fine. You know, it just didn't happen the way I thought it would happen. So rather than coming home with the mindset of, okay, I just did it. I can do it. It's doable. I came back with the mindset of, I got to stink and work harder. Because I feel the perfect reaction to that situation. Because when I go out in my backyard and you got dudes commenting on my post saying, practice in your garden more, blah, 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 whatever. Um, Outside on my targets, I feel supremely confident at 35 yards, which that's my point on. Um, but anything under that, I feel supremely confident in. I just didn't make a good shot, sir, ma'am, whoever was bashing me for, for not making a good shot on an animal. And to your responses, to all the emails I got and all the messages I got of, you don't even feel sorry for the hog. You don't even feel sorry for the pig. Well, first off, they're a nuisance. (laughs) I mean, they're a nuisance animal that destroy our lands. Um, so, you know, I don't have much heartache because I wounded all. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's just, that's what chaps my hide. And then I make another post later on um, and, and basically was was um, encouraging people to shut up. Like, and not even on my own behalf, but it was it was actually a post. Um, it was actually a post. I got, I got something sent to me that s- somebody was, was bashing hunting. And, uh, And so it was a post put out that hunters need to support hunters because we have so much outside conflict against us. We need to support each other, whether you're a recurve shooter, a compound shooter, a crossbow shooter, a rifle hunter, a duck hunter. I don't care. Whatever you hunt, we all need to support each other because there's so much outside uh, pushback against us. We need to stand together as a family. Well, then you get the same Internet warriors and they're like, (laughs) somehow they loop it back to me missing. And they're like, yeah you do want people to put bashing you for missing. And I'm like, for real? Like you missed it. Like you just missed it. Um, so I don't even know where I'm going with all this other than quit trying to be internet warriors and let's stand together as bow hunters because kind of our, our conversation thus far is, you know, I shoot a, a, a recurve, but I'm going to shoot a compound too. And I don't look down on people who do shoot a compound. And, and I don't care if you shoot East ends or victory, or I don't care if you shoot, uh, uh, cutthroat broadheads or sick broadheads. I, I, I don't care if you shoot, you know, bear archery or Hoyt. I don't care. Um, we need to come together as an archery family. And, and and it's not about don't put me down because I missed. I know I missed. Um, but, but more so of don't put me down because of what I shoot. And I'm not going to put you down because of what you shoot. Yeah. I, I'd like to comment on that. You know, you took a shot that you were confident in and you're quite capable 90% of the time of making, right? And that's kind of my test. I'm not going to pull that string back unless I'm pretty damn sure I can put one right in there. And I'm sure you're the same way. And that's the standard for all of us, right? There's one thing for sure is that we're human beings and human beings are far from perfect. So we're never, ever, ever, you hunt any time at all, you're never going to be 100% on your shooting. You're going to miss. And then obviously you're going to miss by a little less and you're going to wound at times. 
right? And we want to make that as slight a percentage as we possibly can. But I would just invite guys that uh, looked upon that situation harshly to not be quite so self-righteous. Now, maybe they haven't hunted enough to get enough opportunities or shot at enough animals or to have that failure that comes to all human beings come to them yet, but they certainly will. And it might revise that self-righteous attitude a bit. But uh, self-righteousness is a really harmful thing to carry on to other people and to really suffer with ourselves because that failure is going to come hard sooner or later for you, for you to, uh, I hate to say it, because we're human beings and we're imperfect. So that support among the community and anybody that's an experienced hunter is going to give you that support because we've all had failures. If you've hunted much time at all, you're going to have failures for sure. And, and wounds happen. That is an unfortunate byproduct of our sport. Um, I will still say this, that a wound from an arrow cuts cleanly and bleeds cleanly. If it's not in a, in a spot that will kill that animal, that animal is going to heal quite quickly from that wound, as opposed to a bullet wound, which causes hydrostatic shock and swelling and lack of free bleeding and all kinds of problems, right? And infection. Um, so I'll defend bow hunting all day from that aspect, as opposed to rifle hunting, because a rifle hunter might say, well, we don't want, well, the heck they don't. Because there's a whole lot of fellas that outstretch their ability to shoot. And there's a whole lot of fellas that shoot so dang far away that they don't even go check on the animal. And they have no idea they might have put one through the lungs that ran right over the knob and keeled over. So there's an element to hunters, I don't care, choose the weapon that aren't carrying a lot of ethics. But one thing for sure, I don't care how high your ethics standards are, you're going to have a wound sooner or later if you hunt a lot. I had never actually... Up until, up until last weekend, I'm sorry, not last weekend. It was you know several weeks ago now. I had never hit an animal with a bow and not killed it. I had mm-hmm. hit animals with rifles and not killed them. Interesting. Yeah, an easier weapon to not make that miss. Yeah. And so there is no like like you said there is no I'm a rifle hunter I don't do that stuff. Uh, well, you know, I've shot deer with a rifle and it took them a long time to die. And I've shot, and it was a perfect shot. You know, it's just the resilience of an animal. And I've shot deer with a bow and then mixed fire within seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, so you better be careful about that, that moral standard. And, and, you know, I had told people, and that's something that I had taken pride in. Um, now, I, I take more pride in my, in my shot selection than my shooting abilities. But I had never done it braggadocious. I had never said anything. Mm-hmm. Um Oh, I'm so much better than you. I've never hit an animal and lost it. Um, but that's something I had I had said to people before um, that I can no longer say. I can no longer say I've, I've never shot a deer um, with an arrow that I didn't find. Um, now, I've had deer completely duck my arrows and, and me not yeah, touch them. You want me to be able to say that, but you can. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Yeah. I'm perfectly fine with, with you know, being, uh, uh, to say that now. Yeah. And I'll tell you, for those bashers out there, I'm going to tell you, karma's a bitch. <laughs> I've experienced it, man. I killed. I had killed three elk, just one, two, three, bam, 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 one arrow's one, and then I called a big bull into my brother-in-law. This came right in at 17, 18 yards, and he sailed an arrow right over its back. And my somewhat self-righteous, I've killed three elk with three arrows. Self, I said, I can't believe he could miss that shot. 
unbelievable man in a perfect situation. Oh my gosh, what was he thinking? What was he doing? How can you do that? And then proceeded to have myself a missing spree. <laughs> Karma's a bitch. <laughs> That's how it happens. It, it did serve me not well to uh, have that kind of attitude because those, in fact, those, you know, a little bit better shot, those could have been wounds. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, you think wounding doesn't happen in nature and accidents and predators don't put wounds on those animals? We're predator. We're taking part in this in this food chain also. And we're doing, as human beings, though, we do carry a lot more responsibility to it, to do it the right way. But by gosh, we're human beings, and we're not going to be perfect every time. Right. And we'll learn, hopefully, from every one of those mistakes we do. And, you know, this was... was, So anyway, um, just consider that. Back off a little bit. This is an unfortunate part of the sport. Um, It's a natural part of nature, too. And... uh, and we're going to do everything we can not to have that happen. But I don't care if you hunt long enough; it's surely going to happen, and, you, and, and we surely are going to feel bad about it. And we're going to do everything not to have it happen again. And and so, but it's uh, it is reality. And I appreciate real people. Uh, you know, we talk about Instagram groups, and I, I really like the guy that shows his failures and then talks about how he corrected the failures, and I learned something from his mistakes too. So. Anyway. Well, and yeah, and that was uh, every myth I've had, every wound I've had, ten ways a Sunday, and try to make that not happen again, and work or work my butt off to not make that mistake again. Yeah, and that was the entire point I was making with the post, um, but guys just didn't get it, and uh, you know that's this this was not supposed to be the point of this podcast, but um, you know we get off on tangents, and that's just how it happens. But um, you know, I just want to encourage everybody to stick together yeah. as a hunting community. Um, because I, I wore a shirt to church the other night, and uh, it was a, a Three Rivers traditional only shirt. And and I had a friend, a, a good friend. I know he's joking, um, and he said, "This right here is what we call an elitist." And uh, and I said, "No, you know." And, and he knew. <laughs> he knows me. I know him. You know, it wasn't like. Yeah. But I, I also, I also know that there are people who actually feel that way. And, uh, you know, I'm not a traditional only guy. I'm a, I'm an archery guy. Yeah. Shoot anything you want to shoot. My wife mm-hmm. shoots a bear legit. Um, you know, if I was truly a elitist and thought that traditional shooters were better than everybody else, uh, then I would give my wife a recurve, but she enjoys shooting a compound. So that's what she shoots. And, and, and if she says, Hey baby, let's go shoot our compounds. I'm going to grab my compound and go shoot with her. Um, I, you know, so, uh, I just want us all to stick together as an archery family. Now, before we move on, I do need to give a quick thank you to my friends over at at Boney. Um, I just got a new, um, they just released a new pocket quiver, and it's a phenomenal little quiver. Um, It's a hard case plastic quiver that you can slide in your back pocket and hold six arrows perfectly uh, for you at all times. And it's it's not, the reason I like it over like a leather pocket quiver um, is because my tips don't bang together. They don't, they don't rub together in the quiver. Um, they're all separate. They all have a sleeve they slide into, and so. Um, but also, I'm a huge fan of all the boning uh, uh, of all the boning products. Their wraps, their their veins. Um, I just flexed up a dozen arrows. I wish I had them next to me so I could show you. Um, I just flexed up a dozen arrows with the Fred Bear flannel wrap and some some red heat veins, and they are just incredible looking. And if you don't know, here's what they did for the Fred Bear flannel. Wrapped. They actually took a, a picture of Fred Bear's flannel t-shirt 
and and put it on a rack. So that's not just like a recreation of Fred Bear's flannel. That is, in fact, a picture of his shirt, of his flannel. So just really cool. Um, so they have some incredible uh, bear archery and Fred Bear branded products um, like the Fred Bear camo wraps, which is just incredible looking, matches my recurve. And so go check out Boning for their new quiver and for all their arrow building accessories. Tom, what uh, what's your hunting plans for this year, my friend? Hello. Oh, man, I'm going to have a good year, hopefully. Uh, I've got a tag in Montana that I drew. And I'm going with the Mystery Ranch boys on a filmed hunt up there. And I guess we've got some pretty good places to hunt lined up. And then I drew a really good tag that I've been waiting for for three years in Colorado with my family and and one good buddy. And so I've got two elk hunts this year for a change. And so I can make up a little time, hopefully. I've got a, a good, an antelope tag that's in a really primo unit. And I got a bear tag to go along with my elk tag in Colorado. So I got some good stuff coming, man. And then I've got, and then come November, you know, late October, November, I've got to smoke a good place in Nebraska to hunt uh, some plains mule deer and look for a big old mealy. So this could be an exciting year for me. Sounds like it. Way better than ever. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fired up. Sounds like you're going everywhere. <laughs> so I'm shooting a lot. All yeah, of the recurve, I'm assuming. I'll be traveling man this year. Oh, of course. Yeah. That's my preference. Yeah, you know, I, I uh, yeah, I haven't hunted with uh, anything but a weaker since the mid '80s. You know, I, I had a guy, and he's a good friend of mine, a good friend of the show, um, former president of Pope and Young, Jim Willems, um, who is a, a traditional guy, um, and he told me that you know, if a hunt comes along where he needs a compound uh, for whatever reason, um, you know, he told a story on a podcast one time where he just he had uh, a bear tag and, uh, and he was going on a bear hunt and he hurt his shoulder and couldn't pull his recurve back. And so he like, he was forced into taking the compound and, uh, he said, I felt so unprepared. So on out of my, out of my element, like, and that was good to hear. Like, it was good to hear that you can get to that place where you're so confident with a recurve that going back to a compound, you feel unprepared and unconfident. Interesting. Yeah. But but he just very interesting. I mean, he's been a, a recurve guy for you know however many years, and uh, and so going back to that that compound, he's just like, man, I didn't feel ready, you know, I didn't feel prepared um, because my comfort is in a recurve. Yeah, I could relate to that a lot. I've also heard definitely guys, could relate to that. Guys like Fred, I yeah, I know exactly what I can do with my recurve. I don't. Yeah, guys like yeah. Fred Eichler. I mean, he says you he know if I want it. He's like, if I want a challenge, I get my compound. And I'm like, what? Like, he's like, yeah, yes. if, I, if I want that challenge, I grab a compound. Interesting. Yeah. No, you do You do get that comfort level after a bit. So what's the one? You know exactly what you can do and what you can. And, and, and maybe we'll loop this in for any shooting, um, compound or recurve. What's the one biggest tip you can give somebody um, to improve their accuracy in, in archery? Okay. So the one biggest tip, because it addresses the one biggest problem, and that is to get over, get by, have confidence in letting the subconscious maintain your aim. Don't get over-involved in aiming. It's the, it's the now moment. It's the trying to capture the perfect aim now. It's the trigger punch. It's the snapshot. It's uh, getting attached, letting the, the aim trigger the shot, whether it's punching the trigger or letting the string go. 
It's it's seeing a good sight picture and settling on it and then completing your shot correctly. And then changing your conscious control from placing that aim right where it needs to be and then and then concluding your shot, whatever your shot activation movement is, put conscious control into shot activation movement to the follow through. That's the single most that's the single thing, no matter what your form is, is separation of aiming and shot activation. Compound or recurve. Doesn't matter the type of but it's it's a if you think about it, it's a firearm also. You set the aim and then the conscious control has to go into your trigger press to make that gun go off as a surprise. So it's a precision shooting thing, no matter what the tool we're using. So if I had to say one thing, that's the the drum I beat the loudest, is having confidence in your aim by just kind of letting it go. You have to still look at it. You still have to place a great aim on the target, but you got to let it go and you got to conclude your shot properly. So that'd be my one tip for the day right there, buddy. So when aiming, are you looking at the spot in which you want to hit or are you looking at your tip of your arrow? Or your, or your pen on. A, I mean, that goes for either one. You were looking at. Okay, so either one, an arrow can be a. If you look at it, it, can be like a single pin sight. So in either case, you're putting that pin on the bullseye and you're looking at the bullseye. If you're looking at that pin, you're trying to control that pin. And if you're trying to control that pin, you're not controlling the finish of your shot. You're not activating. You're not moving through your release. Or you're not moving through the expansion phase of the shot, which is increasing string tension aimed at the follow through. So in either case, you're putting a point point of the arrow where it needs to be, you're putting the pin where it needs to be, and then you're looking at the focal point, you let it go, let the subconscious aim it. Just like when you're driving a car, you're just uh, that, your subconscious is making all those micro adjustments with the steering wheel while you're thinking about something else. Same thing with an aim. You, you drive the car down the middle of the lane you want to be in, you look at the middle of the lane, and your brain just keeps it there, and you can think about something else. Same thing with an aim. You put that point where it needs to be, you put that pin where it needs to be, you look past it at the spot you want to hit, and then you let the subconscious drive the car while you consciously conclude your shot properly. There it is. And you need to learn to trust that. And you need to learn it soon if you're not doing it now. So, <clears throat> so this, that's, this that's be, the biggest drum of all that I can do. This is a, a recurve-specific question. Um, mm-hmm. So do you ever consciously open your fingers? Or I mean... Um, yes, but it's it, yes, and when I do, it's an error in my shooting. The, the release, the actual release of the string, should be subconscious. I should just be moving that hook right through the string to follow through. The brain will figure out how to send a signal to the flexors to relax for a fraction of a second, and during that fraction of a second, the string blows through your fingers. We should never consciously, if you consciously open your fingers, it's the same exact thing as punching the trigger with a compound. I got you. So you're not opening your, you don't open your hook, rather, rather your brain will just trigger. The brain will let it open for you. You never consciously open your hook. You move that hook right through the string to follow through in a very precise, consistent, controlled manner. You build tension in your hook and your string with back tension. You increase that tension in a very subtle and controlled manner aimed at follow through. And that's it. The brain handles the release of the string. Now, it's a very different thing from having a subconscious release or having a conscious release. Conscious release would be opening your fingers. Which is the equivalent to squeezing the trigger. Which is exactly the same as punching the trigger. You're going to lose tension. 
because your mind goes away from back tension and to the fingers to release them. And when you're not focusing on back tension, you're going to lose back tension. And that's a collapsing shot. That is a shot with, with uh, decreasing string pressure. And it's always variable. And then when that happens, when you break the alignment in the back because of the lack of back tension, you break the alignment in the front. So if you're a right-handed archer, it's going to be a right-side miss. That makes sense. That makes sense? Yeah. Yeah. So now I know why, like, some shots I'll just have just full weight to the right. Yeah. It's just a loss in tension. It was probably a now moment. You were looking for that perfect game. You saw it now. And when you your brain went to opening your fingers, it went away from tension, back tension. And so you lost tension. So you lost alignment in the back, then you lost alignment in the front. And I'd invite anybody to point an arrow, hold it very steady, and then move that arrow one-eighth of an inch and see how far a minute of angle takes that arrow off the target. One-eighth of movement at the bow hand, one-eighth inch of movement at the bow hand will equivalent to like an eight or 12-inch miss at 20 yards. And at 40 yards, you're off a four-by-four bail. Now, when you keep tensions through the string, you keep alignment, and it goes right down the middle. So I have one more question for you, and then I'll let you go. Uh, maybe, unless, okay, unless this question sparks another question. Um, I know why I shoot better at certain distances with a compound. So with a compound, you know, 60 mm-hmm. yards, I shoot really well. And, uh, and I know the reason why. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say it because I'm, I'm curious to know if it's the same with a, a recurve. But when you get to 35 yards, um, even mm-hmm. 40 yards, why is it that my shot is, is better than, say, 10 or 15? Okay, because at 10 or 15 with a recurve, that arrow point is way below the target. It's very much less precise of an aim. But when you move back, and obviously you have to elevate the arrow to accommodate the distance, the arrow comes up into your vision and onto the target. Now it's like using a sight pin with a compound. You have a very precise aiming method at that long distance. At that short distance, you have a huge gap. That arrow's pointed way below the target. You don't have that precise uh, sight picture and aiming device. Make sense to you now? Yes. Um, very common. Now, Super now common. I, I know why... I shouldn't have said shoot better um, because obviously that's where my point on is. I knew I'd shoot better. Um, But I guess I should say I execute a better shot at that distance. And so my thinking behind it, maybe you can, you can either confirm or deny uh, my thinking behind it is a at 20 yards uh, or 10 yards, even um, I have to hold the bow down, you know, in an unnatural position. But then when I get out to, to 40, 35, the bow is just more up in a natural straight position. Um, so I can execute a shot cleaner, I guess. Um, which is why with a, a, a recur or a compound, you know, you get to 60 yards and your bow is just level. You don't have to go, you don't have to move down. You don't have to move up. It's just, that's where it's at. But also. Okay. There could be something in that because it's a better solution, but I have another thing I want to run by you. I suspected that longer does, distance you bring a higher level of determination to the shot to run it correctly and i suspect that's the biggest reason of all because sometimes we're 10 or 20 yards you'll lay up and you just run through your shot yeah but then you're sitting out there at 30 or 40 with your recurve you're going okay i need to run this shot but i suspect if you brought the same level of determination at 10 yards or 20 yards you did at 40 you'd shoot much better at 10 or 20 
I, you know, I also think one thing I think that plays into it is that's my opinion. You know, in the compound, you get out to 60, you can no longer focus on your pin. Like you can't, you just got to look through your pin at the target because the target's too far away to, to focus on both. Right. Which is exactly what you should be doing at 20. Right. But at 20, you're, I mean, you can, you can look at both, you know? Um, and I think it goes the same for, for, yeah. for yeah. A, a recurve, you know, at, at 10 yards, I can pretty well in my peripherals focus on the tip and the target, but at 40, you got to pick one. And the, so you pick the target, so you shoot right. better. Yep. Well, good. Yep. I'm glad. I, I'm glad I now know that. No, nope, I think that's exactly right. But I do think you're right. I do think <laughs> that, that. I do think that if 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 you were to take the same consideration for every single shot, um, whether it be ten or whether it be fifty, um, yep. you would shoot just as well at, at ten. Yeah. In the old days, before I learned a lot of this stuff, I got to shoot with a lady named Linda Graham, so I'd be a world champ. And, we're, and I stayed with the Grams, and we they had a 3D course in the backyard. And, and I noticed that, gosh, when we went to a 10-yard target, her shot timing was exactly like it was at 40 yards. And, of course, for me at 10, I just snapped through it and shot it. And I was like, huh, there's a reason why she's not being a world champ. Because she <laughs> treats every arrow like it has value. Yeah. You know, and it's a habit. Part of she's acclimated to working that hard and bringing that level of ter- determination to every shot, and that makes her better. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. <laughs> um, now before we go, um, you know, I've asked this uh, before of you. Fred Bear is big on his field notes. What's one field note you got for us um, to make me a better hunter? Okay, so we talked about watching last time. Let's talk about slowing down. I talked about that with Danny. He asked that question. He's like slowing down, slowing down at everything, um, you know, putting more conscious thought to it, um, moving slower, watching more. Um, if you think you're moving slow on a stock, you might want to think about slowing down even more. You'll push it. You'll find your limit. But uh, I, I want to ask that to my son, who's an exceptional hunter. That was his main thought as a field note. He just slows down in everything, and it gives him more time to think, too. And it causes a lot less mistakes. Think about anything in life, whether it's our shot or what we're doing. We try to rush through things, and it doesn't work out very well for us. That is a phenomenal tip. Um, it's because, a pretty general. Well, it, it's it, very it, good. Yeah. it is general, but a lot of guys miss it. Um, I had one guy tell me, well, when I slow down, I don't see as many animals. And so I, I worked through this in my mind. Um, you're going to get I, close to a lot more. I don't know how to properly yeah. articulate it, but here's what I think is when you're, when you're moving fast, you're just busting animals out. So you see them. And then when you're moving quote unquote slow, you see them, you're, not, right? you're, not, you're not moving slow enough. You're just busting them out before you get to them to ever see them. So then if you move, yeah, you're gonna, you are going to see less animals. Right. You're going to see less butts going over the hill away from you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, you're going to see less animals. So, so a lot my, less my, butts going over the hill away from you. <laughs> my point I made to the guy was you're slow. You're, you're slow isn't slow enough. So you're still moving fast enough to bust the animals out, but you're not moving fast enough to see them bust out. Now, if you actually go slow, you'll get close to the animals. 
The key is to see them first. Yeah. <laughs> That's the whole key if you think about it. Yeah. So I just told him, I'm like, well, you're you slow. see them before they see you. <laughs> your slow isn't slow enough. Like that's you're you're going medium, and now that's the worst of all. Yeah. I mean, now you don't even get to see him bust out. Um, which I hope that makes sense. But also, do you watch yeah. Alone, the TV show Alone? Yeah, I've caught a few episodes now, and I'm trying to catch up because Clay Hayes is on one. And I've only seen the first episode, and and uh, I was disappointed not to see more about Clay, and I, I'm anxious to see the next episode. Yes. Every Thursday night, I've been watching Clay. This is, what, this is what pisses me off. Last night uh, was a new episode, and they ended the episode on Clay releasing the arowana deer. Um, so now i got to wait a whole stinking week to see if he killed the deer or not. And they left him home? Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, but he said that. But he said that. While, while he was hunting, he said that. He was like, I have to slow down. Uh, because if I don't, you know, my mind will be racing with everything and I won't hear the animals. I won't see the animals. I won't. He's like, so, so I have to go, you know, incredibly slow when I'm hunting. And, uh, and so he talked about that on alone last night, the art of, of hunting slow. Nice. Nice. So before we go, go let me give a quick thank you to my friends at NZ campers. Uh, they build custom, hunting campers out of uh, box trailers, and they are absolutely just phenomenal. Um, so I'm going to have myself a custom-built hunting 101 camper that I'm incredibly excited about. Can't wait to pull it uh, to, to, uh, to Colorado and park it outside of RMS. That way I can bug you guys all the time. Um, so guys, go check out NZ Campers because yeah, they buddy. are campers built by hunters for hunters with the hunter in mind. So, uh, you know, cool things like coolers built in for meat storage after the harvest. I mean, uh, scent, scent control storage for all your clothes, bow hangers and gun racks built in. Really, really cool. So go check out NZ Campers. That's E-N-Z-Y Campers on social media. And I personally can't wait to show you guys my camper. Guys, thank you for listening. Tom, thank you so much for coming on. Guys. You guys have a great week and get out there and shoot your bow. Quit, and putting, uh, quit putting other people's down because of how they shoot their bows.